Hey, welcome to the official podcast of St. Luke AME Church located in Garland, Texas. I am Pastor Amos St. John. And I am Pastor Jasmine St. John. We are the lead pastors of St. Luke Garland. And we're so excited that you have decided to listen to this podcast. Listen, we pray that the message you are about to hear will bless you right where you are. If you want to know any more information about our church, you can visit us at org. Now, get ready for the word. Good morning, church family. It's good to see you an hour early this week. Yes, that's right. We sprung forward last night, so it's good to see you. I'm so glad that we get an extra hour of daylight at the end of the day. Um, And I'm glad that you're able to still, even after losing an hour, join us this morning for Sunday worship. Just want to thank God for the sacrifice of our praise team who has been leading us each and every single week. And they're doing an amazing job just setting the atmosphere right where we are. And so this week, uh, we're going to just pick up where we left off last week, talking about hidden figures. As you know, most of Jesus's ministry was spent dealing with the hidden figures of society. And I I raised two hidden, interconnected hidden figures uh, to begin this little two part sermon last week. And one was a woman and one was a girl both experiencing uh, some kind of tragedy in this 12th year. The number 12 in the Bible represents divine order, represents the authority and perfection of God's kingdom. When the number 12 is up, it's, it sh- when the number 12 shows up, it signals uh, that God is at work. Jesus's ministry began at the age of 12. He chose 12 disciples, 12 baskets were left over. After feeding the 5,000, Abraham had 12 sons. There was 12 tribes. There was 12 scouts that scouted out the promised land. And here we are in our text this morning with a girl whose age was 12 and then a woman with an issue of blood for 12 years. And so last week I gave you Luke's account of what happened between uh, Jairus' daughter and the woman with the issue of blood. But this week, I'm gonna lift before you Mark's account uh, that gives us a little bit more details of the story of the woman with the issue of blood. So turn with me, if you would, to Mark 5, and I'll read verses 21 through 34 from the New Living Translation. The Bible says this, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd had gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue whose name was Jairus arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him. My little daughter is dying, he said. Please come and lay your hands on her. Heal her so that she can live. Jesus went with him and all the people followed, crowding around him. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them. But she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. 
Other translations say, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Immediately, the blood, the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Ah, Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? But he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her, came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him what she had done. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Let us pray. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this preaching moment. Now let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Our title for this morning, you know it, it's Hidden Figures, Part 2. We began last week talking about hidden figures, hidden figures within our community as illustrated by the stories of the women, the notable women who worked at NASA, hidden figures within our church and hidden figures within the ministry of Jesus. We explored the interconnected narrative within the synoptic gospels of Jairus's daughter. And I told you to put a pin in the story so that we could further explore the woman with the issue of blood this week. The synoptic gospels, despite being written by different authors at different times for different reasons, have similar stories and accounts of the life of Jesus. So last week, we took a look at Luke's version of the same encounters on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And this week, Mark's gospel gave us further insight to just how serious the condition was of this unnamed woman had been going through for 12 long years. And although the woman is unnamed in the text by the author, it is believed by the first century church that the woman in our text this morning was named Veronica and that she was in Caesarea. Philippi is where she was living. And this hidden figure emerges as Jesus is traveling from town to town and from village to village in the Galilean region, turning religious hypocrisy on its head, performing miracles, spreading the good news of God's kingdom. You see, for context, Mark four, Jesus had been preaching to large crowds on the hillsides and in the boats just off the shore. He had been crisscrossing back and forth across the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. In one particular journey across the sea, there was a storm that had arose. And in the midst of that storm, we find Jesus having calmed the waves and the wind. We got to see Jesus's power over nature. He crosses the sea again. And heals a man who could not be controlled, having been possessed by legion. And there he shows his power over spirit. And now here in Mark 5, 
Jesus heads to another shore on the other side and is greeted on the lake shores by crowds of persons who has now heard about this teacher, this prophet, this miraculous man named Jesus. And once on the shore there arrived a synagogue leader named Jairus, who had a desperate situation going on at home. His daughter, his 12 year old girl was dying. He was desperate. He came to see Jesus and, and kneeled at the feet of Jesus, pleading with Jesus, asking Jesus to go home with him so that Jesus might save his dying daughter. And the Bible says that Jesus went with him. But on the way, somebody say on the way, on the way to see about Jairus's daughter, there was an interruption. This day and age, we are familiar with unplanned interruptions. How we have experienced our fair share of life's interruptions this year, this marking one year from when we have gathered together last in person for fellowship within these walls we call St. Luke AME Church. We probably can say that we have experienced a lifetime of interrupted plans and milestones just within the last 12 months. You see, an interruption can be defined by the action or act of hindering the uniformity or forward progress by breaking in. Simply put, it just means to break in, break in your thought or speech or activity or process that was already in motion. So when you experience an interruption, it feels like a break in. It, it stops you in your tracks. It's something that you have to address. And since it's stopping something that's already in motion, it usually takes some effort to get going once again. Stops you suddenly from what you were doing in the moment. It, it makes you go about life in a different way. It causes you to pause and consider the things that are right there in your midst. They draw our attention for just a moment away from the journey in order for us to consider that which may be hidden. Jesus's journey to Jairus's house was interrupted. In fact, most of Jesus's ministry is recorded in what I like to call a series of life's interruptions. Each interruption, disciples walk up to him and save him from crowds gathering so much that he has to preach from boats. Crowds gather on the hills. Blind man shouts out for his attention. The woman he meets at the well. These are life's everyday interruptions for Jesus. And they're recorded in the sacred text for us to glean from. Jesus, on occasion, uh, on this occasion, was interrupted by a woman with an issue of blood. Now, the contrast between these two characters in the story could not be more stark. One was a man. The other was a woman. One is the ruler 
of a synagogue. The other had not been allowed to enter the synagogue by law for the last 12 years because of her condition. One is a man of stature and influence and the other one had been socially and religiously isolated. One has a pressing issue regarding a daughter who was 12 years old and the other woman is one who has been dealing with a condition for 12 years. One is named within the text and the other one is unnamed, but we only know her by her condition. And to make this contrast even more stark, Jairus gets to ask Jesus for a blessing first. He pleads with Jesus, come and go with me. Come see about my daughter so that she can be made well. And the Bible says that Jesus does go with him. And although Jairus gets to ask first in the crowd, there is a woman who is desperate enough to say to herself, I don't have to speak to him. I don't have to get in his face. He doesn't even have to know that I am in the crowd. But if I can just touch the hem of his garment, then I know, I know my condition will be changed forever. Jairus asked first, but how many of you know that with Jesus, ah, because it is not your turn does not mean that it's not your time. And maybe just maybe there are some moments of healing and breakthrough, some opportunities and experiences that have passed you by because you have been waiting your turn. Perhaps you don't want to be irreverent and don't want to be undignified. Perhaps you don't want to seem like you don't have it all together. But sometimes when you get desperate enough, you will break out right where you are in your living room, on your job, in the car and cry out loud and say, Lord, I need you. When your, when your situation gets bad enough, you don't have time to wait in line and certainly you don't have the tolerance to wait your turn. Ah, there are some miracles that's going to require you to do some things that are out of the ordinary. It's going to require you to get a little undignified. And Mark chapter two taught us that sometimes we have to tear stuff up ah, as there was a paralyzed man desperate to see Jesus and the house was so crowded, but he had some friends. They tore the roof off just to lower him to Jesus. Sometimes you have to tear some stuff up. And if you do not know that it may not be your turn, it indeed is your time. I stopped by to let you know that today. It, it may not be your turn, but it is indeed your time. You see, the woman with the issue of blood in Mark five was desperate. Ah, she had been afflicted for 12 years with a condition that caused her a constant bleeding, a uterine hemorrhage. This bleeding caused her to be ceremonially unclean. It would mean that according to the book of Le Leviticus, she would not be considered clean until the flow of blood had ceased for at least seven days. She was living in a constant state of being considered 
unclean. And because she was considered to be unclean, it meant that everything she touched would also be considered to be unclean too. But she was willing to risk it all, risk the consequence of making each person that she pushed her way through to see Jesus unclean because she was unclean. Her condition had kept her from the church and from being invited to be among friends. And if you think you had it tough from being quarantined over the last 12 months, she had been quarantined for the last 12 years. We don't know much about this woman, but the issue of blood would have prevented her Ah, from getting married. And if she was married, it was grounds for her to get a divorce. We don't know if she had children, but because of her condition, she would not have been able to touch her children. I just want you to see just how desperate this woman was because of her condition. It was chronic. It constantly flowed. She was weak, perhaps. Ah, there was a smell because of the constant blood flow. She had been to the doctor and imagine, if you will, that this woman, as she's leaving the doctor's office, having been diagnosed with this incessant hemorrhage, is running out of the doors, perhaps with tears running down her face as Jairus and his wife is running in uh, to give birth to his daughter and Jairus's daughter. As she's entering the world, uh, this unnamed woman is beginning to bleed. And she bleeds every single year of this child's life. Each year that this child lives, her condition worsens. Uh, she goes to another doctor and pays them more money and she doesn't get better. She gets worse as the years go on. And her bleeding gets heavier. The life within the child is now fading. She was desperate. Jairus was desperate. And here they find themselves in the same place yet again. But this time, instead of seeking out the town physician, they are seeking out the master physician. You see, Jairus could walk straight up to Jesus and kneel at his feet because uh, the condition that the woman was in, I imagine uh, she couldn't do that. She had to work her way through the crowd, perhaps bent over from being weak and back her way through so that nobody recognized her. Perhaps she had to dig and go through the sand and crawl on her knees and the dirt to get to see Jesus. She had to fear being trampled, get as low as she could, so that she could reach out in full faith because of what she heard about Jesus. What she heard about Jesus is what got her out of her home. What she heard about Jesus is what brought her to this place. She had heard some things about Jesus and had the confidence to get to know him for herself. And she thought her thought to herself. In other words, she said, I, I know that I would be made Whole. I know if I can touch the hem of his garment, I don't even have to see Jesus up close, but I know that I would be made healed if I can just make it to church one more time. I know uh, that he can 
set me free. I, I, I just, if I could just get around some prayer warriors, I, I know if I could just talk to somebody who has gone through what I have been through. I, I know I, if I could just find someone who feels like I feel, I know. Can't say I know unless you can say I, I've been. I've been sick, but I know him to be a healer. I've been stuck, but I know him to be a way maker. I've been depressed, but I know him to be the lifter of my head. I, I've been lost, but I know that he can find me. I, I've been in trouble, but I know that he can be a rescuer. I, I've been broke, but I know him to be a provider. I've been friendless, but I know him to be a friend like none other. I've been mistreated, but I know him to make enemies my footstools. I, I, I've been held captive by my own mistakes and choices in life, uh, but I know him to be a deliverer. But since I've met Jesus, I know, I know you heard he turned water into wine, uh, that he opened blinded eyes, that he calmed the raging sea, that he turned a boy's lunch into a buffet for thousands. I, I know you heard that he freed the demonic captives. I know you heard that he raised people from the dead. I know you heard these things about Jesus, but there are some situations where hearing is not enough. You have to know him for yourself. There are just some things that nobody can help me with, but Jesus and Jesus alone. Bible says she thought to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, she knew she would be made well. Or as King James says in that version, that she would be made whole she would be made complete. Her issue would be no more. She was desperate enough to risk it all at the feet of Jesus. Her desperate condition caused her to receive a divine cure because of her confidence. And you see in that time, any woman who bled longer, for seven longer than seven days had to be ritually cleaned in this immersion pool. And two doves or two small pigeons had to be sacrificed in order for her to be declared clean. But just one touch is all it took. It didn't take a ritualistic ceremony. It only took one touch of the hem of his garment for her to be made clean. Jesus again destroys the power that the people had placed in the law. She was in the right place at the right time to be made whole. And sometimes that's just how we get blessed. Um, you weren't looking for it. You didn't wake up for it. You didn't put that on your list of things to do. Today's going to be my day of breakthrough. Sometimes we just have to be in the right place at the right time. And Jesus was just passing by. And she happened to be right there in that right place at the right time. You may not know why you have tuned in this morning. You may have come at an invitation or seen it on your timeline or someone sent you a text of this worship experience. Uh, but whatever brought you to this sacred space, I want to tell you that you're in the right place at the right time. Jesus is passing by. And I know that if you reach out for him 
in faith. Your life will never be the same again. The Bible says that she touched his clothes and when she touched him, he stopped. And when he stopped, the blood stopped. When he stopped, her issue stopped. When he stopped, the stigma around her stopped. And the Bible says she knew within her body that she had been made whole. Jesus said, who touched me? One of the disciples said, all these people around you, Jesus, you know, how are you going to figure out who touched you? But Jesus was determined to find the hidden figure. He kept looking and kept looking until he found the woman trembling in the crowd. Some of us are in the same place that we were a year ago, maybe 12 years ago, uh, because we just accidentally bumped into Jesus. We didn't intentionally reach out for his hem. We bump up against church. We just brush by on our way to do other things. And I'm telling you this morning that we have to be intentional in this season to have an encounter with Jesus. He's passing by and he is here to deliver you. It it reminds me as I close uh, of the pharmaceutical commercials that we keep seeing now how that one medication is supposed to solve the issue that is going on in your body. You might have a headache, and it's telling you how it can cure that wonderful headache, but at the end of the commercial, sometimes it's 90% of the commercial, it it lists off this long list of side effects. Uh, It tells you that your arm may fall off, your eye may fall out, but your headache is cured. I'm here to tell you this morning that with Jesus, there is no side effects. There is no fine print. Once you touch the hem of his garment, once you have an encounter with Jesus, you can know without a shadow of a doubt that you are made whole. I pray uh, that this message encouraged you this morning. I pray that you reach out for him intentionally. And I hope that you know that you engaging in this sermonic moment was not by accident. The Lord is passing by. And I'm encouraging you now, lift up your hands right where you are. The master is passing by and reach out for him. He can make you whole. He can change that situation. He can turn your life around and you can uh, believe without a shadow of doubt you won't be hidden for the for the bible tells us that he felt the power the virtue come from him because she reached out in faith the same is true for us today don't let jesus pass by without you reaching out with the intentional hand. Today is going to be the day that your life turns around and your life will never be the same again. You may be watching this morning and and you don't know and you haven't really dedicated your life to Christ. I'm giving you the invitation to accept him now. I pray that you pray this prayer with 
me and accept that invitation. Let us pray together. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I am sorry. God, enter my heart right now. Clean me up. I believe that you were born. I believe that you died for my sins and I believe that you rose and are coming back again. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. From this moment forward, I'll be able to declare that I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. Come on and let's bless God for those who have prayed that prayer for the very first time. If that has been you, I want you to go ahead and let us know in the comments or send us an email at info at stlukegarland.org. Or perhaps you have decided this morning to join this church family. We would love to have you as part of our church family. And you can join this morning by sending us an email as well at info at stlukegarland.org. Be blessed. Hey, family, we pray that this word has encouraged and inspired you. If you want to know more information about St. Luke Garland, or if you want to sew, please visit our website at stlukegarland.org. We'll see you next week.